Welcome to 5-Minute Film Finder, brought to you by Pioneer Library System. Hello, welcome back to 5-Minute Film Finder. I'm Jamie, and today is a very special episode. We're doing a deep focus on Spaceballs, and this is my very first deep focus. I'm here with London. I'm here to help. Yay, I'm so glad because... I need a I need a first mate. Is that what? Yeah. Um, so yeah, they put me in charge of this. So I'm steering the ship today, and I will try not to send us into ludicrous speed. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> You're going to be great. I worked hard on that. Yeah. So yeah, we are discussing Spaceballs, which is a space opera parody, according to Wikipedia. It spoofs Star Wars, of course, but also a few other sci-fi movies, Star Trek. Planet of the Apes, Alien. So there's a little bit of everything in yeah. there. Wizard of Oz, yes, 2001. Yep. And uh, I first saw this movie. I actually don't remember when I first saw it, but it came out in 1987. I was nine years old, and I feel like much like Star Wars has always been in my life. I kind of feel like Spaceballs has also always been in my life. There was no time before Spaceballs. <laughs> right. So, time starts with Spaceballs. No, there was no BS. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I um, it, I think it was like on cable a lot. So I just felt like I've, I've seen it a lot. So. I, I distinctly remember having this on VHS yes, and probably watching too. it to death and yeah. making everyone crazy. Do you remember when you first saw it? I don't. It, it, same thing. It, yeah. It's just always been. Yep. So that's it. So it is uh, rated PG. It was directed by Mel Brooks, a comedy legend. The so, one and only. Yes. It was written by Mel Brooks, Ronnie Graham, and Thomas Meehan. And I listened to the DVD commentary track that Mel Brooks does, and he said it took about six months to write, and it was a lot of fun to write. And he did get permission from George Lucas on the stipulation that they not create any merchandising. They don't do any toys because he was afraid, George was afraid they would look too much like the Star Wars figures. But then that in the movie, that's where all the merchandising gags yes. stem from. And I think that, him that saying you a, can't make any action figures. That was so a great. Just a lot of in jokes right. in the movie about that was a great space balls, the toilet paper, space balls, the bed sheets. <laughs> the placemat. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, Mel Brooks has done a lot of movies known for the producers, Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. I know you like Dracula, Dead and Loving It. That's my favorite so, Mel Brooks movie. I have to admit, I've never seen that one. I think I've only seen like four of his movies. I, I listed them. I've seen Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, Robin Hood, and Life Stinks which I've only seen like, well, okay, five movies, but Spaceballs. Um, but I've only seen Live Stings once, so I don't really remember that one. But Well, you have some yeah, homework tonight. I know. So. I feel like a... I've actually never seen Life Stings, so okay. that's okay. I don't really remember it, so I don't know. Um, but yeah, it uh, came out in June 1987. And let's see, I guess we can uh, go ahead and get started here. It starts off with a scroll just like in Star Wars. You got to have the scroll. And I love that it says chapter 11, which uh-huh. is bankruptcy. <laughs> yeah. So, which, and I believe this was put out by MGM. Yes. And I read that they did file for bankruptcy in like uh, 2010, 2011, something yeah. like that. So, but yeah, so Planet Spaceball under the leadership of President Scroob, which is 
an that's anagram. an anagram of Brooks. Yeah, he said he he wanted to have it be Brooks backwards, but that just didn't quite work out. So, uh, but Planet Spaceball has squandered all of their clean air, so they plan to kidnap Princess Vespa from Planet Druidia in order to force her father, King Roland, to give Planet Spaceball Druidia's clean air. So we learn all that in uh, the opening opening crawl there. You know, th- this is a, a silly movie. It's a satire, <laughs> a parody, all those things. But um, that sounds like that could be a real sci-fi movie. Yeah, and actually, so. I mean, I feel like it's sort of kind of resonates today with some right. of the climate issues that we we might earth might need to go somewhere and <laughs> steal the atmosphere steal somebody's air so and then we open with the long shot of the spacecraft going across just like in a new hope and mel brooks actually said that he wanted that shot to be like 90 minutes long which yeah they they wanted this to be the longest spaceship in the history <laughs> of spaceships yes. and he kind of jokingly had pitched it like, can, we just want to have an hour and a half of just, just that. panning down a ship. And I wonder how long people would stay so, seated for that. Like, would they just keep thinking? It's I, I would be stubborn. I would sit through the whole thing. <laughs> and the credits. Yes. You, you're a good person. I'm a credits watcher. Yeah. Um, I really like the score that accompanies mm-hmm. that ship. Um, John Morris did the score and he worked on some other Brooks films, uh, producers, Blazing Saddles. Um, I really like the bumper sticker. We, we break, break for, for nobody. nobody. Yep. So then we meet Colonel Sanders, played by George Weiner, and he is informed that Planet Druidia is in sight, and Dark Helmet is summoned, and Dark Helmet is played by the wonderful Rick Moranis, and I think he looks pretty spiffy. He's got shorts and a tie and even, like, glasses. He's, he's got his, you say shorts, but they're like little <laughs> poofy bloomers. <laughs> It's a very funny costume. Yeah, I he's love a it. kind of a diminutive yeah. uh, Darth Vader yeah. with an oversized helmet. Yes, and I love that Rick Moranis is playing him because you know he normally plays such like sweet characters, sweet nerdy or goofy yeah, or something. Kids and Little Shop of Horrors, um, Ghostbusters. He just yeah, uh, Little Giants, which I love. Um, but yeah, so he shows up and. They find out that, uh, you know, Druidia is in sight. So he says, I'll notify President Scroob. And a little underling makes a terrible mistake saying he already did. What? You went over my helmet? Well, not over it. More like around the side. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he uh, he meets some unfortunate consequences. The Dark Helmet has got a ring that shoots off a laser. It looks a lot like a lightsaber. but uh, And that man is escorted away. So, you know, Jamie mentioned this movie's rated PG. That it received that rating in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. Times have changed. I was really kind of shocked to look at the case and see that it was rated PG. Yeah, it, it was, seems like it should be a little harsher than that. But there was some scenes that I didn't really remember mm-hmm. as a kid, and I'm sure I didn't get when I was a kid. Yep. But yeah, I was a little bit surprised. I thought maybe this would be more like a PG thirteen, but. Yeah, no. it's, it's a fun comedy, but, you know, it's not going to be for your littlest children. Right. There, there's some some language and, you know, some, innuendo. I'd say definitely innuendo yeah. throughout. So. Yeah. All right. So Sanders says he's going to show Helmet where Druidia is on the radar. And Helmet holds over to a screen. He's like, what's all that churning and bubbling? You call that a radar screen? No, we call it Mr. Coffee. 
So he always has coffee when he watches radar. So he naturally he drinks some coffee. And uh, then Colonel Sanders explains the pot to kidnap Princess Vespa. And Dark Helmet breaks the fourth wall. Everybody got that? Turn into the camera and making sure we all know. So then we go to Planet Druidia and Princess Vespa, played by Daphne Zuniga, is preparing to marry Prince Valium, who is a the very for the party guy. The very sleepy groom. <laughs> who, he looks very bored to be yeah. there. I think so. I think he's just, that's his constant state. Um, he's played by Jim J. Bullock, who I believe was most famous for being the center square on Hollywood Squares. Okay. So. I don't know him. I vaguely remember watching Hollywood Squares when I was younger. I don't think I really would have known him or like remembered him, but you know. So uh, she's walking down the aisle with her dad, King Roland, who is played by Dick Van Patten. And she laments that she doesn't really want to go through with this. And I, I don't blame her. He's, yeah. So she walks towards the groom and the minister, played by, played by the writer, co-writer, Ronnie Graham. Okay. Which I learned from watching the comment or listening to the commentary, uh, but he is kind of giving some commentary about she's going right past the altar and out the door. So, yeah, she makes a break for it, escorted by her droid of honor, Dot Matrix, voiced by Joan Rivers, and in the costume was Lorene Yarnell. I yes, believe. she was a famous mime. Yes, which I had no idea until I, did, I was researching. I did not either. Yeah. So, so. I, I will watch anything that involves Joan Rivers. Yes. I miss her. I love her. So she's fantastic in this. Uh, tangent, Muppets Take Manhattan, which is one of my favorite Muppet movies. She has a small part in that. I don't know if you've seen it, but yeah. I have. We're just going to have to talk about Joan Rivers some episode. <laughs> for the, I was going to say for the rest of this episode. Yep. So. Okay. We have derailed at this point. I know. Sorry, y'all. So, all right, let's get back on track. <laughs> so we got a flying Winnebago that says uh, Eagle 5, Captain Lone Star on the door. And we meet Barf, played by the wonderful John Candy, who I believe apparently Rick Moranis suggested John for this role. So, but he's uh, dancing around, jamming to some music, and he's eating a snack, which if I think about too much is just going to gross me out. It's got a big tub, and <laughs> London is miming his spoon. Well, it's like a giant dog bowl, and yes. he's eating like pure, what, it I want to say purina. It says barf on the container. Does it say barf? Yes, okay. on the side. Okay. Yeah. Well, tell the kids at home, Jamie, what is barf? <laughs> He's a mog. And what is a mog? He's half man, half dog. Okay. He's his own best friend. That makes sense. So, yeah, he's he's wonderful. And uh, apparently John had to wear a 30-pound battery pack on his back so that technicians could control his animatronic mm -hmm. ears. And I've read conflicting things, though, about the tail. I read that technicians controlled the tail, but then I also read that John Candy had a control in his paw so okay. that he could control it. I couldn't verify one way or another but i thought that was it's know. um it's a simple enough costume but i love the animatronic ears yes. they're they're fantastic he's kind of got they this have... hair piece and then there's dog ears sticking out of it and they they move like you yeah. would expect a dog's ears right. to move so it's very felt very like natural so um you want to tell us what happens next uh can you give me a hint <laughs> we got Vinny. Yes. Okay. So I'm with you now. Lone Star and Barf. Um, the, the phone is ringing on um, their Winnebago. Yeah. 
Uh, Lone Star's been asleep. He just looks like a sleepy captain. He doesn't look real <laughs> motivated to do anything at this point. So um, they get a phone call. Barf says he's going to just switch on the audio. He makes some mistakes, which is on the video. <laughs> um, and we get to see Vinny, the space gangster, yes. who uh, he, it's kind of a play on the, the character Max Headroom, right. who was famous in the 80s. 80s yeah. um, he kind of looks like a robot. Um, I don't think he's supposed to fully be a robot, but Vinny works for the big gangster pizza, the hut. (laughs) I love this character and I love this character as a kid. Um, it's kind of revolting. It is. I had so. like a hard time looking at it for a very long time. I'm like, uh, no. All so, the, like the cheese is plopping off. I hope you've seen yeah. Spaceballs, but if you haven't, uh, <laughs> Pizza the Hut is just a big mound of pizza toppings, and basically. And, and so uh, yeah. he's talking. And, you know, of course, this is a play on Jabba the Hut and yeah. also but referencing Pizza Hut. Um, as he talks to Lone Star and Barf, there's just this <laughs> constant stream of liquid cheese and pizza toppings just running down his face oh gosh yeah it's at some point my favorite um a pepperoni you watch a pepperoni slide down his face and it it (laughs) plops into his own mouth and he just keeps talking of course so um and pizza was voiced by dom deloise and he was the there was a guy named richard karen i believe who was in the suit okay and I watched a documentary so the suit was made of canvas and Rudy DeLuca does the voice of Vinny and he claims that they actually had like a wire running through to melt the cheese. Like they said, it was actually, they actually had pizza on it. And I, were, I believe it. It yeah. looks real. And they were, had the wire running through to, to help melt it. But he said at one point, Richard Karen starts yelling about smoke, smoke. And they look, and yeah, the suit was smoking. And then when they had to do some reshoots, he refused to get back in the suit and Rick Lazzarini, who was working on some special effects, he jumped in and, and he wore the suit. So yeah, I, I don't blame Richard though. I don't know that I'd want to get back in it. So, but yeah, I, I think I'd get in a suit made of pizza <laughs> and Vinny eats him too. Like Vinny, he does. Takes a bite he, of him. he tastes him He's like you're delicious. You're delicious. Oh mm. gosh. But, uh, and then Vinny says one of my favorite lines. Cause, uh, well, Star. Yeah. So well, I get sidetracked. So he's telling them <laughs> they have owed them uh, to Pizza the Hut. They've owed him a hundred thousand space bucks, yeah. which now is a million space bucks due to interest and other things. <laughs> um, and they owe him a million space bucks by tomorrow. Yeah. So they are in a pickle. We're kind of setting the scene for the movie right now. Yeah. And if they don't pay, pizza, pizza will send, send out, out for you. you. And I just I love that line. That's hilarious. So. Um, back on Spaceball City, Scroob is played by Mel Brooks, is in his office on the phone, and we hear him declaring, Pillin, it's fine. There's no air shortage. That's well, a rumor. It's fake news. And uh, as soon as he gets off the phone, he opens a drawer in his desk and he pulls out a can, opens it, sniffs it, and we see a close up Perry Air, canned in Druidia. Yep. So I, I really like that gag. Uh, Commander at Zircon interrupts him to announce that Lord Helmet has uh, Princess Vespa in his sight. And play- Spaceball One is closing in on her. And so she says uh, they could he could get beamed up by Snotty and uh, so he can look at the radar. But it backfires. And when he gets beamed, his head is on backwards. And he's a little upset by that, naturally. And Snotty, of course, there's a little uh, 
Star Trek homage there. And he's dressed in like Scottish garb too. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he beams him back. Luckily, Scroob is back to normal, but he decides he's just going to walk over. And of course, where it's, he's going was just... It's the next room. Right next door, yeah. <laughs> so, But uh, Scroob watches on the radar and insists that Princess Vespa must be taken alive. So Helmet orders a warning shot fired. Vespa calls her father, which... And I love her deliver, delivery on this. She's got her little phone and she's like, 1-800-Druidia. Yep. So, but uh, calls her father to help her. Roland contacts Lone Star to hire him to rescue Vespa. And of course, Lone Star asks for one million space bucks. So Vespa gets caught in the Spaceball One's magnetic beam, but Lone Star shows up just in time and starts to decides to uh, jam Spaceball One's radar. Yep. So Barf shoots off an actual jar of jam at their satellite. And then another one of my favorite scenes, we've got a radar technician on Spaceball One played by Michael Winslow who is very famous for the noises he can make with his mouth. He's the king of sound effects. He is, and he was in the Police Academy movies. So he calls him over, and uh, he calls over, or he calls over Helmet and Sanders to tell him he's he's lost the feed. He's he's lost the bleeps. He's lost the sweeps, and he's lost the creeps. And sorry, folks, I'm not even going to attempt to do those sound effects. But it's awesome. impressive in yes. the movie. He's I really also cannot good. make those noises. I don't but. know, like how he does that but that was really cool all right so jam is now seen oozing down the screen and helmet taste it it's raspberry he hates raspberry and there's only one person who would give him raspberry it's lone star yes. and then the camera pans in on him and knocks him in the face falls over so then uh, lone star and barf uh, rescue princess vespa barf climbs down and i love it when Do- who are you and Barf just goes, Barf! And Not in here, mister. This is a Mercedes. <laughs> yes. I don't know why he just didn't say, I'm Barf. But no, he's got to deliver it like you that. You have to have fun with it's, the name Barf I, if that's your name. Or I you're making so. a movie with a character named yeah. Barf. So, so uh, Barf helps transport v- Princess Vespa's luggage into the Eagle Five. Um, seeing her luggage, Lone Star is just like, oh, yeah, that, that's too much. What's up with that? And... I have to point something okay. out while we're on this scene. This scene is where you learn we're in a universe where you do not need any special suit or right. oxygen to go into outer space. <laughs> you see uh, Barf just climbs down a ladder mm-hmm. from the Winnebago through space to Princess Vesta's Mercedes. Yes, so, and she climbs up. So then you know, yeah. you know the, the normal rules of space don't apply here. Yeah. Um, I do love when Lone Star sees Barf with all the luggage. Barf's got the strap in his mouth and Lone Star, what's all that? And Barf says, Her Royal Highness's match luggage. But apparently it was John Candy's idea to leave the, the strap in his mouth when he said, and I can't attempt to say it like he does, but I just thought that was, that was pretty cute. So then Vespa's vehicle is brought aboard Spaceball One and Helmet finds out that she's not in there. It's empty. So... He uh, discovers that Lone Star has rescued her, so they try to chase him. Lone Star goes into hyperactive mode, and Helmet demands that they go into ludicrous speed against Colonel Sanders' warnings. But Helmet also refuses to buckle up, so he's just like hanging onto a pole or something. And he's, yeah, but we show, we've got light speed, ridiculous speed, 
and ludicrous speed. So they just go right to it. So this was one of my favorite scenes watching this as a kid. And Mm -hmm. I had not seen this in years and watching it again. I still love this scene. Like Colonel Sand, everyone on the ship does such a fantastic (laughs) job of pretending like their bodies are just kind of melting into their chairs because they're going so their brains are so fast. Yeah. Um, and just looking kind of sick, like they want to vomit. Um, I, it's really great acting. And a helmet wants to stop in a, Colonel Sanders so we can't stop we have to slow down first but I like the way he delivers that yeah. line I it's just Colonel Sanders he uh, we can't stop it's too dangerous we have to slow down first I can't do it the way he does but you know but Helmet of course won't hear it he orders Sanders to just stop immediately and Helmet goes flying into a control panel and his helmet gets smashed so consequences kids so now the Eagle 5 is low on fuel after coming out of hyperactive mode and they make an emergency landing on vega vespa and lone star decide to confront each other and uh they bicker but they are obviously attracted to they they like one another they were they were expecting the other one to be ugly or snotty or this or that but yeah well, they, they both think the other one's pretty foxy. Yes. <laughs> There's definitely the Han and Leia yes. vibe there. Which I also think is interesting that Lone Star is kind of a combination of Luke and Han. Yeah. And Oh, and I forgot to say, Lone Star is played by Bill Pullman. I completely forgot. Sorry, Bill. I love Bill Pullman. I do, too. He was actually in my favorite... Sorry, tangent again. He was in my favorite movie musical, Newsies. So he doesn't sing very well, but, you know, he's good. I like it. Good actor. Okay. So now they decide they've got to get off the Eagle Five. And unfortunately for Barf and Lone Star, they got to carry Vespa's luggage. And as they're walking through the desert, they they are exhausted. They got to stop for a minute. And then they find out they're carrying an industrial-sized hairdryer. So... We maybe haven't set this up very well yet. That Princess Vespa is very bratty. Yeah, she is very entitled She's and bratty, spoiled. and um, so that's kind of her starting place. She's yeah. got a giant trunk and all of her other luggage, and insists that she can't live without her things. Yeah, we have to carry them through the desert. <laughs> yeah. So now, uh, Dark Helmet and Sanders are trying to find Lone Star on the radar, and I really love this gag because Helmet is drinking coffee through his helmet. Uh-huh. He's just casually. Sipping his coffee. Very exaggerated sipping through his mask. (laughs) Um, Sanders gets the idea to put the video cassette of Spaceballs the movie in so they can fast forward to find Lone Star. The uh, corporal opens up Mr. Rental and scanning the shelves. Of course, we see lots of Milbrook's titles. Yes. Uh, Helmet is perplexed, though, and he's like, what's this? Sanders explains about instant cassettes. It's a breakthrough in home video. (laughs) They're out in stores before the movie is over. So they fast forward until they actually reach now and then they see themselves on the screen watching the screen. So you've mentioned a couple of things now. This movie is just self-reflexive all the way through. (laughs) Like it is always reminding you that this is a movie and, uh, you know, breaking the fourth wall and and talking to you, the audience. So I I think that's kind of a fun running thing throughout. Yeah. So they do. They find Lone Star and company on the moon of Vega and then we go back to the Lone Star and Vespa, Dot, and Barf. They have camped out for the night. And I didn't know, I've never noticed this before until I watched it for this podcast. 
But Vespa's luggage is in the campfire. I, I think that was my first time noticing yes, it, too. I can't believe They have it. busted up her luggage to burn. <laughs> so uh, Vespa and Lone Star have a little talk. They kind of have a moment. And he's got a medallion around his neck. And he tells her about his origins, how he was found on the steps of a monastery. And all he has is this medallion. And so he doesn't know who his parents are. It's in, The medallion's in another language, so he can't read it. And then uh, they start talking about why Vespa didn't get married and talking about love. And uh, there's a little bit of a love connection happening. And they start, to, they're about to kiss. And then Dot's alarm goes off and, and she puts a stop to that. Yep. So, but the next day they're walking through the desert. Barf and Lone Star are gasping for water. Dot is gasping for oil. Vespa is gasping for room service. That's important. So, yeah. But they collapse and then the dinks find them and the dinks of course are a parody of the the jawas from star wars they find the group they give them oil they get they give dot oil and they give the rest of them water and i really like lone star's line did i miss something when did we get to disneyland i think the dinks are much cuter than the jawas oh yeah um they don't have glowing red eyes so (laughs) they just they kind of just sing and wear little robes and yeah they march and what i like so the group marches back with the dinks and if you notice barf is in the back but he's actually like marching along with them in time and he's he's into it he's just having a good time he's wagging his tail he's always having a good time i feel like so uh but helmet now has made it to vega and he's wearing like safari gear which i thought was really funny um the dinks then lead lone star and company to their underground lair and here's where we meet yogurt played also played by mel brooks and apparently he had an allergic reaction to that that gold makeup i heard that so and uh his entrance of course is reminiscent of the great and powerful oz from the wizard of oz and i believe in the documentary i watched that bill pullman said that they filmed this on the same soundstage where they filmed wizard of oz huh so i thought that was that was neat i didn't know that and yogurt of course is uh kind of a spoof on yoda right so he's the wise yogurt and he's gonna teach lone star about the schwartz right i do love his entrance and they're giving him all these platitudes yogurt the wise yogurt the all-powerful yogurt the magnificent and then he's like please please don't make a fuss it's just plain yogurt and uh, I thought that was, it's a cute little joke. So, but yes, he is the keeper of greater magic, a power known throughout the universe. Not the force, as Barf guesses, but the, the Schwartz. Schwartz. So Lone Star then asks, what is it you do here? And this is a, yeah, we talked about this earlier. Great part in the movie. Merchandising. Merchandising. Spaceballs, the t-shirt. Spaceballs, the coloring book. Spaceballs, the lunchbox. Spaceballs, the breakfast cereal. And my personal favorite, Spaceballs, the flamethrower. If you notice, it says a children's toy on the flamethrower. I love the flamethrower. Yes. And then, of course, we have the doll, the matching uh, yogurt doll. It's very cute. May the Schwartz be with you. So I got so excited, Jamie, this morning. I'm driving to work. You know what I saw in front of me? What? Literally, just this morning, Spaceballs, the license plate frame was on the car in front of me. That's really cool. And it actually, yeah, it just so, says Spaceballs the Lightning. Yeah. So this, this stuck. We're making Spaceballs the merchandise yeah. to this day. That's so cool. I want one. So do you know, you want to tell us what happens next? Oh, my gosh. So many things. 
We go back to uh, Spaceball City with Scroob, and Zarkon tells him that Lord Helmet says they've lost the princess in the desert. Well, is this when we say comb the desert? Yes. yes. So I love this gag. Um, they have orders to comb the desert from President Scroob, yes. said it right. So mm-hmm. Sanders and Helmet and their men are down on, on the planet <laughs> or the moon. And then it, it just cuts to men, the men have these giant combs and they yes. are literally combing the desert. <laughs> and they're saying, <laughs> they're asking if they found anything. Nothing yet, sir. And the first two groups they see have normal giant combs. Right. And then um, the th- the third set of guys, they are working a pick mm-hmm. through the desert. And, of course, they haven't found anything with their pick. Right. It's it's a pretty funny sight, gag. It is. So, yeah, they haven't found anything. So, but uh, I hope you guys have watched Spaceballs already. <laughs> so then we've got uh, Yo- or Lone Star asked Yogurt if he can translate Lone Star's medallion. And he can. He can read it, but he's not going to tell him what it says. He said, the truth will be revealed to him when the time is right. But he gives Lone Star his ring and has him practice using the Schwartz. And Lone Star does lift a statue, but then he gets distracted by Barf. And poor Barf, he drops it right on Barf's paw. And when I was a kid, I always loved the sight gag of Barf's huge... His his foot is just pancaked. Yeah. So now it's nighttime and Helmet and Sanders are at Yogurt's lair. Helmet senses the presence of the Schwartz and he uses his ring to find it. And Sanders is able to locate the entrance. It's got the Y insignia. So they lure, they devise a plan to lure Vespa out using a hologram of her father. And Vespa faints in Helmet's arms and they, they grab her and they <laughs> she grab said, the- He says, fooled you. <laughs> That's a He's a funny impression. villain. Yes, I love him. And so uh, uh, Lone Star and Barf then are going to leave to try and rescue Vespa. Uh, Yogurt gives Lone Star a fortune cookie and the ring. And he says, hopefully they'll meet again in the sequel, Spaceballs 2, The Search for More Money. So then we've got a scene with the uh, helmet is playing with his action figures, which are the only Spaceballs action figures ever made. And so Mel Brooks apparently came up with the idea to have Helmet playing with the dolls, but he had Rick Moranis improvise this whole scene. And then Sanders interrupts him and tells him he's needed on the bridge. And Helmet asks, did you see anything? No, sir. I didn't see you playing with your dolls again. (laughs) Good. So yeah, It's funny, but it's also kind of disturbing (laughs) what he's doing with his dolls. Yeah. yeah. So they got Vespa strapped to a table and Roland on a video screen, and they threaten that they're going to give Vespa back her old nose if Roland does not give him the code to Druidia's air shield. So, of course, Roland gives in. And the combination is a real uh, real tough one. One, two, two three, three, four, five. five. Same combination as on President Scroob's luggage. So, Lone Star and Barf arrive at the prison complex. And it says Prison Ball 28, and I wondered if that was a reference, but I couldn't find anything huh, in my I didn't research. Notice. So, yeah. But they tussle with some space balls and steal their uniforms with Bart's tail hanging out. So Lone Star and Barf go looking for Vespa, and they hear a very deep voice singing. And apparently that was really Daphne 
singing. I yeah. guess Mel it, asked her. It's impressive. Yeah. He asked her if she wanted someone to sing for her, but she wanted to try it herself. And it's a, yeah, it's a very yeah. low, low voice. So they stand at the door for a minute and just listen to her sing. And they're impressed <laughs> that she's a bass. Yeah. So, but they get Vespa and Dot out of the cell. They try to sneak them out, but of course they get caught by the guys whose uniforms they stole and a battle engages. I think it's probably just hard to sneak around with a shiny gold droid. Yes. That and doesn't a tail that doesn't help. And a tail of, sticking out of your yeah. soldier uniform. So yeah. but they try. Yeah. And the, they end up getting captured, but big surprise. It's, it's not them. It's their stunt doubles. And we've got an appearance by Steven Tobolowski as the captain of the guard. And you and I have actually met him. Yep. We have so, seen him in person. Yeah. He wrote a book and did a book signing in Tulsa. And in collaboration with the local cinema, they did a showing of Groundhog Day and he did a little Q&A. And yeah. So sorry. Another tangent. But that was so really cool. I, I always loved this gag growing up with the um, the stunt doubles. So mm-hmm. like you can kind of tell what they're jumping through a door that's closing and you can already tell it's stunt yes. doubles. But uh, like Princess Vespa, it's a man with a mustache. And does he have a cigar? <laughs> cigar, yes, like a yeah, cigar so hanging it, out. It's it's fun to see the stunt yeah. doubles that have been captured. That was cute. But uh, outside by the Eagle Five, the real team of Lone Star, Bar, Vespa, and Dot are battling with the space balls. Lone Star gives Vespa a gun and tells her to hold him off. And she declares, I'm not shooting this thing. I hate guns. But the space balls make a big mistake. And they shoot Vespa's hair. You don't do that. My hair. They shot my hair. Yeah, you don't mess with Vespa's hair. And so she just proceeds to take them all out. So She uh, becomes Rambo at that point, basically. (laughs) Yeah. So on the bridge, Helmet, Sanders, and Scroob have Druidia in their sights. And the Eagle Five is heading to Druidia when they see Spaceball One heading there and the air shield opening. And then uh, I think it's Sanders who says, prepare ship for metamorphosis. And Helmet yells out, ready, Kafka? And I have to admit... I never got that until I listened to the commentary with Mel Brooks and he mentions, uh, and you're a librarian. I know I'm ashamed. I'm well, of course you're not going to get that as a kid, either. but um, But even as an adult, I never paid attention to that. And Mel Brooks had to point it out to me. So I'm a terrible librarian, but yeah. So, uh, Lone Star and company witnessed the Spaceball one transforming into a gigantic maid with a vacuum cleaner. And that's how they're going to get the air out. So Sanders announces that Spaceball One has become Mega Maid. There's a great line there. They say, it's not just a spaceship. It's, it's a, a transformer. transformer. Yes. Wow. Oh, that was great. So the air in Druidia then gets, starts getting sucked up by the vacuum. And we see King Roland is at his desk struggling to breathe before he passes out. And so Lone Star has says that they can flip a switch to reverse the airflow and then destroy the vacuum. But he's not sure how to do it, but Barf... He has the Schwartz. Yes, Barf has the idea. He's like, use the ring from yogurt. So Lone Star succeeds. The air is returned to Duridia. King Roland regains consciousness. And then Lone Star enters the, the Mega Maid now and going through her ear. And so he is going to try and search for the self-destruct mechanism. So he uh, stops the vehicle and he climbs out, goes searching for it. He comes across a soldier and attempts the Vulcan neck pinch. And the soldier... He says, no, no, <laughs> dummy. You're doing it way too high. It's down here where the neck meets the shoulder blade. Yes. Like this? Yeah. yeah. 
and then, immediately passes out. Yep, smart guy. So Lone Star uses his key card and and the guy's hand for handprint identification. He's in the room with the self-destruct button. He's and, so close. Yes, but there's another guy in there shaving. <laughs> Lone Star uses the Schwartz to get a can of shaving cream, which he sprays in the guy's eye and mouth. And why does that make him pass out? He just... Well, so I've always thought that too. I'm like, why does he pass out from getting right. shaving creamed? But you, if you look real close, uh, Lone Star's hand also goes to his oh. neck. So he might dispatch with this guy the same way as he did the previous one. Yeah, good eye, London. So eagle eye there i did not notice that i'm gonna have to look for that next time so but before he can press the button which you should only press if you really really mean it he gets derailed again by dark helmet at last we meet for the first time for the last time and uh but before they start fighting helmet tells him there's something you should know about them i know you love this line jamie i do you should say it. okay hopefully i wrote it down right I am your father's, brother's, nephew's, cousin's, former roommate. When I hear that, I want to sit down with pencil and paper and like diagram that <laughs> to see. Yeah. But. Well, I was thinking father's, brother's, nephew. Wouldn't that be you? Your father's, brother's, nephew? Because your father's brother would be your uncle. And if that's but you your, could have a nephew through marriage. That's true. So oh, well. who knows? It's a mystery. Yep. But that makes them absolutely nothing. So they duel with their Schwartz, and uh, I really love the gag of a film crew member gets injured by Helmet, and uh, so breaking the fourth wall again. But Helmet tricks Lone Star into a handshake, and he takes Lone Star's ring, drops it in a grate, and he tells Lone Star, now you see that evil will always triumph because good is dumb i love that line i do too it's hilarious if you haven't picked up on this yet uh this is a very quotable movie yes so for sure but uh so helmet shoots some lasers at lone star and i love this part too because lone star is jumping around to miss him and it is so very obvious a stunt double they Mm -hmm. don't even try to hide it and i just thought that was really funny and then a voiceover yogurt encourages lone star to use the schwartz so he grabs a mirror so then laser uh, helmet's laser backfires on him and knocks him back and he hits the self-destruct button by accident and then we hear the announcement and what i thought so you when you see scrub and sanders on the bridge and you can hear the announcement there's a space belt soldier sitting behind them and to me it looks so obvious like a dummy and i only noticed that just on my last viewing i missed so it you'll have to pay attention okay. to that it just it just kind of made me laugh i mean yeah. Okay. So now the uh, the Spaceballs theme song starts playing. Spaceballs. This is such a fun scene too because it's just like chaos ensues yes. on the ship because everyone's hearing the announcements and the voice is so pleasant. Is a mm-hmm. funny thing, you know. She says, "Thank you for pressing the self destruct button. Mm-hmm. This ship will now self destruct." Right. Um, but also, you hear an announcement about they're trying to uh, evacuate the ship, and they say something about uh, clear out the three three wing three ring. <laughs> I'll, I'll say it right eventually. <laughs> the three ring circus, and so you start seeing like circus characters on the bridge mm-hmm. and trying mimes. to get uh, yeah mimes and you got animals. So yeah, they're all trying to get an escape pod. Uh, Lone Star gets back on the Eagle Eagle Five, and they try to make their way out. Uh, Scroob tries to get into a pod, but a bear. There's a bear in there. <laughs> speed him so, to it, and he's trying to buckle the bear's paws. Everyone knows you cannot get in a evacuation pod with a bear. <laughs> that would not so, be advised. No. So then they find out that there's a oh the the announcement says you know if you'd like to 
can't press the cancellation button. This is your last chance. And there's a cancellation button, but of course it's out of order. And even in the future, nothing works. Nothing works. So, so uh, then there's the 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 10 second countdown and Scroob, Sanders and Helmet are all like huddled together, scared. And the Eagle five makes it out. Of course, just in just time. barely. And then the, uh, the ship explodes and we see the mega mates head flying through the air and we could hear Scroob and Sanders and Helmet all screaming. But uh, then we go back to Druidia where uh, they take Vespa home and Barf and Lone Star on the way there are watching the news and they find out that Pizza the Hut was found dead he, earlier that day. He ate himself yes. to death. <laughs> At least pizza. Can you yeah. blame him? No, I so. can't. I love pizza. Yeah. So they uh, reunite Vespa with her father. And we can see Lone Star is a little jealous when he sees uh, Prince Valium. And then the next thing we cut right to, the Eagle Five is going to Gus's Galaxy Grill. They, you, they just took off. Yeah. And you didn't even say goodbye. No. Nope. But did you notice something in the parking lot? the galaxy grill i did not if you look there is a millennium falcon okay in the parking lot that's cool yeah so they uh go inside place a food order and there's a group sitting at the end of the counter and they're dressed a lot like the characters in alien and one of them is john hurt himself reprising his role as kane and i have to say when i first saw this as a kid I had never seen Alien. Right. I had no idea what that was in reference to. I just thought it was a funny scene. Um, and actually, I have to say to this day, I've still never seen Alien. What? I've seen the scene on YouTube, but... You have even more homework tonight. I know. I'm terrible. So, so uh, yeah, there's uh, John Hurt apparently was in... Uh, he was in... Well, not apparently. He was in History of the World, but apparently he told Mel that anytime he needed him to do anything, you call me. So, he got John to recreate that character and... He's eating when suddenly he's clutching his stomach. His friends lay him down on the counter and alien pops up. And, and I, well, he says, oh, not again. Yes, which I, I love. And apparently ILM, Industrial Light and Magic, uh, made that alien. But the alien hops out. He puts on a hat. He's got a cane. He's fancy. And a spotlight falls on him. And he starts singing the hello, my darling. Hello, my honey. Hello, my ragtime gal. What's that song called? I think it's called Hello, My Ragtime okay. Gal. But that I'm would sure make sense. I may have gotten the lyrics wrong. Sorry. But anyway, he's doing some high kicks across the counter. And I guess this is a spoof of, I learned, Michigan J. Frog, who was the mascot for Warner Brothers television, I believe. He, he pops up in uh, Looney Tunes yes. things sometimes. The and, frog that only sings when no one's looking. Right. Yeah. So um, anyway, um, after that, Barf and Lone Star they've lost their appetites they get the heck out of there and back on druidia vespa is getting ready to marry prince valium and she's upset that lone star didn't stay he just probably took his money and ran and then she finds out from her father that he did not take the one million space bucks he only took 248 space bucks for lunch gas and tolls because love right so vespa is clearly shocked and then back on the Eagle Five, Barf is hungry because they missed dinner. So Lone Star gives him the fortune cookie and that yogurt gave him. And when he opens it, of course, yogurt appears and he tells Lone Star the truth about his background. Lone Star's medallion is a royal birth certificate. He's a prince. Yeah. His father was a king. His mother was a queen. What I want to know, though, is what happened like, how did he end up on a monastery? Because if he's royalty, wouldn't there have been... 
Well, but then as a prince, everyone's just going to have to take his word for it that that medallion says he's a prince. Yeah. So it's not a lot of credibility to go on. Well, it's enough for Vespa, though, because there are more questions to be answered here. Right. So uh, they go back to they got a special can of fuel from yogurt, some liquid Schwartz, and they head back to Druidia. Then we see Mega Maid's head still uh, hurling through space. And you can hear the yells of our three villains. They land on a beach and we see two figures on horseback riding towards them. And Mega Maid's head is on the sand. And when the figures get closer, we can see that they are apes. And they question what's coming out of her nose. And they look through binoculars. Space balls. There goes the planet. And again... I did not understand this reference when I was younger. I had never, I've never you, seen Planet of the Apes. Have you still not seen it? I still have not seen it. I've never, I haven't seen any of them. So much homework tonight. I know. So it's Next, a great, that's a great movie. Actually. Yeah. So cool. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it. But uh, yeah. So then we got back to Druidia and the wedding is happening. And. Vespa still can't believe Lone Star didn't take the money. And she's still like talking to her dad about it, even as she's up there at the altar. And uh, Roland tells her that Lone Star asked him not to tell Vespa. And she realizes that he loves her. So we hear a loud noise and Lone Star dressed all in white interrupts the wedding. He tells Vespa that he's a prince and asks her to marry him. And she's like, oh, let me think about it. And she quickly pushes Valium out of the way and says, yes. And then Barf heads up there to stand as the best man. And I love the minister. What's your name? Barf. What's your full name? And I just love the way he raises his, you know, he's, he's proud, man. Bartholomew. So, well, I, I love how aggravated the minister yes, is at this point. Like he just, he just wants, wants, he he wants to get paid. <laughs> he wants to get them married. And he, he, marry he's tired of today. all this other stuff happening. Yeah. So, so. Yeah, so they uh, they get married, and then we see the Eagle Five flying off, and then we see the May the Schwartz Be With You appear on the screen. So, and that is Spaceballs. So, what did we learn today, Jamie? We learned that I need to watch a lot of movies. Well, what did we learn from Spaceballs, though? We learned that love is more important than money. I guess it is. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. I'm curious where uh, Lone Star finds his very nice white suit. Yeah, real quickly, too. He just turns up dressed very nicely in princely attire. Yeah, and so. he needed to get that wedding was happening yeah, then, like yeah. right then. How did he find that? Did he already have that? I don't know. I don't know why he would. But. Me either. But. So is this your favorite Mel Brooks movie? Did you say already? I didn't say, but I think so. Um, when I was younger, I really liked Robin Hood, Men in Tights. But I haven't seen mm-hmm. that one in a really long time i've seen blazing saddles and young frankenstein maybe once or twice Mm -hmm. each so this is one that i think the critics were have always been mixed on so like on rotten tomatoes it has like a 53 percent, but the audience scores more like 87 so Mm -hmm. i think people love this movie i I think think it's a fun watch i think it still holds up pretty well too Mm -hmm. and especially like we said with the air thing that kind of relates to today with climate issues and um and it, like you said it's really quotable i really like lone star i think that he is a good hero and I, he's someone that i, I wish we kind of learned a little bit more about him um i feel like vespa is not as cool as princess leia 
but she's she's different. I mean, she's she's still sassy. She's just. I agree. Able. I mean, I, I'm gonna be Team Leia, but, right? But I like Vespa too. Yeah, so. and Barf. I mean, oh, everybody loves Barf. And I guess this came out the same year as Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, but this one was was first. And um, yeah. I love John Candy in anything, yes. um, and he's so fantastic and has such a great range. Mm-hmm. You don't really get to see that here in Spaceballs. He's playing this silly character, but it, it's fun sweet. to see him dressed up like an alien dog yeah. man. So I guess he actually really wanted to wear. He wanted like more dog, like a um, special. Or you know, he wanted yeah, his face to look more, or yeah. more fur. Or something. But Mel Brooks was like. You know, I paid for John Candy. We want to see its yeah. face. So. Yeah, they keep it pretty simple on his face. Yeah, but he's he's just very sweet. And I love Rick Moranis as a Dark Helmet. And did you know that, you know, he kind of retired from acting. Mm-hmm. His wife died, and so he quit acting to raise his kids. He didn't entirely quit. He did some voice work, but he quit to raise his kids. Mm-hmm. And But he did reprise this role on an episode of the sitcom The Goldbergs. I, I heard about this. Yeah, and yeah. the I looked it up. It was the fifth season, mm-hmm. and he provided the, his voice mm-hmm. for the character. I thought that was really cool. What are you, uh, some of your favorite gags? You got any that you can pick well, from? Well, you, you can probably tell already. Um, I, I love Pizza the Hut. Yeah. It's just, he's <laughs> gross. Um, it's just... <laughs> It's like a train wreck. You can't look away <laughs> from this this person that just has cheese and green peppers running down his face. Yeah. So it's pretty funny. Yeah. That and I like the, the merchandising scene, of course. Yeah. Also, I forgot to mention when Lone Star and Helmet are fighting and they get their shorts tangled up and mm-hmm. Helmet is like, Well, if I put my leg here and you put you know, and they Yeah. Definitely back to the innuendo right. in that scene. So. But. Um, so yeah, you know, with our deep focus, um, we're not always talking about a movie that's streaming. This is one that, uh, pioneer library system has on DVD. Yep. Um, you know, and if you're not in our service area, you know, check with your library, see if they have space balls. Um, here's a challenge for further watching there. Do you know there was a space balls, the animated series? I learned that in doing my research for yeah, this. Yeah. I, I knew nothing about this. I've never seen it. It was from 2008. I don't I think it had a ton either. of episodes. So, you know, if you're really curious, yeah. go out there and find Spaceballs, the animated series. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. All right. Any other final thoughts, London? Nope. I think we said it all. I think we, we did. Um, so. You know, sometimes you just want to watch something fun and kind of mindless and right. you're going to laugh at this, but... You know, you don't have to think too hard about it. And, you know, this is my first Deep Focus episode, and I wanted it to be a comedy. I'm I'm a comedy girl, so, yeah. It's fun to talk about something silly and right. fun. So. And I think it's a little easier. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, today. And thank you for joining me, London. Yes. Please. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you're here, too. So please like, subscribe, share, email us with any of your feedback, any of your um, recommendations for us. You can reach us at podcast at pioneerlibrarysystem.org. You can check out some of our streaming options on Hoopla and Canopy. And uh, if you'll help me, Jamie, yeah? you should also tell your fathers, fathers brothers, brothers, nephews, cousins. cousins former, former roommate. roommate about this podcast and about Spaceballs. 
Thank you for pressing the self-destruct button. This podcast will self-destruct in T-minus 10 seconds. 10, 9, 8, 6. What happened to 7? Just kidding. <sighs> 5, 4, 3, 2. Have a nice day. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.